but I want to talk to you this morning on the theme here of fight, finish, and keep. I just felt a little something in my heart when I said that. Fight, finish, and keep. Can you just say that with me, Antioch? Say fight, finish, and keep. Awesome. Let's throw the Antioch Creed up there. We want to declare that. We'll jump into prayer, and then we're going to go into about a thousand scriptures this morning. So if we have it, let's throw it up. If we don't, ah, there it is. Awesome. Well, let's say this together in faith and say it in agreement, our Antioch Creed. Here we go. We are a family of maturing sons and daughters, alive and victorious in the spirit, culturally involved, globally connected, and generationally invested. We are passionate devoted to Jesus, incarnating his truth and advancing his kingdom in the earth till he returns. Father, we thank you that Antioch has not only made it through 2015, we thank you that we emerge from this year triumphant and victorious because we follow you in your triumphal procession. Father, we thank you that this day you will grant unto us perspective from your word, by your spirit that is from above. We thank you that this day you put a strength and a tenacity inside of us. We thank you that this day you encourage those who are discouraged. You heal those who are fighting and overcoming in their bodies. And we thank you that this day that we align ourselves with the victory and the triumph and the grace that is in Christ Jesus because of the cross and the resurrection. Holy Spirit, I yield to you and ask that you would minister to all of us through this vessel in Jesus' name. Shout amen with me and go with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And while you're all turning there, let me just give a huge voice of commendation and pride and joy over the people who ministered the word over the past was it four Sundays? Pastor Dan, Pastor David, uh, Citron, Jonathan. Come on, give those guys a hand. It is a, I'm telling you, it is a rare gift to have such a high quality staff. I remember one Sunday morning, Mike Rice leaned over to me and I actually leaned over to him and I said, man, I got a pretty awesome team. He goes, you think? And I'm like, yeah, I do. It's an awesome team, man, and I just want to say you guys nailed it. You just nailed it and gave me an opportunity to let some things marinate inside of me, and I appreciate that more than you know. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, all of our guests, I want to say welcome. What a joy it is that you're with us this morning. Here we go, verse 7. This is Paul in the latter years of his life, writing, many scholars believe, from a prison cell to his young son in the faith to establish the church of Ephesus in doctrine and in truth, and he says... To Timothy, as he realizes the light of his years is coming to a close, he says this phrase, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I'm going to say that one more time. This is Paul, and he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You know, as I think about 2015, it's been a unique year for Antioch in a lot of ways. We've suffered some losses. We have fought, we've battled, we contended, we put our faith out on the line. We, uh, many of us went through some prayer vigils, fighting for lives, believing and expecting for restoration 
and for healing to happen. And many of us suffered some very deep and some very personal losses. And I've been carrying that. My wife and I have been carrying that in a very deep way. Probably as many of you who have walked in the pastoral ministry know, a pastor is graced, I believe, to enter into the yoke of people's pain and suffering in a very unique way. And uh, we're graced to feel it, we're graced to carry it, we're graced to touch it, and uh, we're graced to experience it in a level that most others can't. And uh, it's, it's been a very weighty year emotionally. There'd be times when Christy and I, just out of the blue, we would just break down and weep. We'd weep with you, for you, we'd weep over you, we'd weep in intercession. And um, my heart, my heart is with you as your pastor as your friend, as a father of this house. Uh, Many of you relationally have fought and some of you have not experienced the promise or the expectation that you would put your hope in. Many of us are going through some life and job transitions. Many of us are venturing out into new works financially. It It has been quite a year. I ended up last night actually going back and looking at the prophetic word of the year. By the way, you don't want to miss next week because... Becca Green will be here, and she'll share uh, some insight and some prophetic uh, words from the Lord for 2016. But one of the things that stood out to me was that this would be the year of the whirlwind. But in the midst of that whirlwind, that God would not only preserve us, but that he would open doors in the middle of those whirlwinds. And that he would actually give us seed to sow into our future from that whirlwind. How many of you guys would say, this has been a whirlwind year? Anybody? Yeah, a couple people? One or two? Well, grace on you as you uh, maybe are through it or are walking through it. So I do this every year. I, I begin on my good years. I'll begin at the beginning of November, and I'll try to take a good solid two months to look backwards and identify dots and connect dots. And we do this as a staff. We try to identify the themes that God is doing in this house because we have to understand I don't know how other pastors and teachers and I don't know how other churches do this, but we are building something here. We're building something. We're building a kingdom family. We're building a people. God is forming us. So the things that we teach about, they're not these random topics and they're not just these self-help messages to make you guys feel better about being a better you because I don't want to be a better me. I want to be a dead me. I want to be a new man. Are you talking? Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. All right, so we look backwards and we think, God, what is it that you're doing because you build strategically and no year is a waste in the eyes of God. Everything that happened to us and the way that we respond to it is an opportunity for us to become more like him. It's an opportunity for us to learn some things that we didn't know before. It's an opportunity for us to get stronger in some areas for the next level that's ahead. Because God does not want a person or a people to ever stay at the same level. It's just a part of who he is. It's what we call the teleological nature of God. The teleological nature of God. He is a God who's going somewhere. He has a purpose. He's moving us toward something and he never wastes anything. Your grief, your pain, your sorrow, your frustration, your mistakes this year, your victories, your new habits, your habits started and broken, everything this year he will use. 
He'll take all of those pieces, he'll take rubble, and he'll take new material, and he'll just somehow sovereignly, creatively, brilliantly, he'll put it into your arsenal for 2016, and you'll use some of it to build you, your family, this church, this region, the kingdom, and he'll do the same thing all over again, because that's our God. I said, that's our God. And that's the way that he rolls, okay? That's how he does things. Let me break down this verse because I think this verse speaks to us. Is everybody with me this morning? All right, good. This verse speaks to us. Harrison, it's like the old days, man. It's good seeing you. I I think you're like pulling something out of me, man. Come on. This verse speaks to us a framework for 2015, but it also speaks to us a vision for moving forward. I have fought, I have finished, I have kept. Take a look here at this word fought. It's a very interesting word. The word here is a word called agonizomai. And it comes from the root word agon, which we hear the word agony in. So here's Paul. Listen to these definitions. And I should have put these on the screen. I apologize. I'm not, I'm just going to vocalize them to you. Listen to these definitions. It means to enter into a contest. So here's the word I have fought. Everybody kind of put your, put your boxing gloves up like this, huh? Like that. Yeah, that's right. And go ahead. Give me that, give me that like, you know, that eye of the tiger. By the way, if you haven't seen Creed, it's a really good movie. All right. So, but you got, you really got to watch one through four before you watch that. Don't worry about five. Six is all right. Okay, here we go. It means to enter into a contest. It means to contend in the gymnastic games. Now, remember in the culture that Paul was writing to, the gymnastic games, the arena was a really big deal, okay, like the Olympics. So here are the nuance here when Paul is saying, I have fought the good fight. He is saying, I have prepared. I have practiced. I have trained. There is a statement that we make around here. We say, every day is training day. And what do we mean by that? We mean that every day is purposeful. We mean that no matter what it is that you're in or what it is that you're doing, whatever position that you're in, it means that your family can be a part of the gymnasium that God utilizes to build something inside of you. Changing diapers, waking up at odd hours in the night can be a part of the curriculum, the gymnasium that God utilizes to build something inside of you. When you find yourself responding in ways that you don't like to respond, he's showing you, hey, there's a part of your form right there we need to work on a little bit, okay? There's a part of your technique that's off. There's a part of your character that I need to build inside of you. When trials come our way, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, when difficulties come our way, the way that we respond, God actually needs us to see it. He needs us to see it. He needs us to see when we play the victim card. He needs us to see when we get easily defeated. In fact, as I look back over the past three years, I've, I've suffered the same battle the same battle three times in the past three years. And interestingly enough, cycles will always repeat themselves until they're either broken or until you learn the lesson well enough to defeat that opposition within the cycle. All right? And so what I've noticed is that the recuperation time that I suffered from the first battle to the third battle has become dramatically shortened. All right, the level of expenditure, the level of fatigue in my mind, in my spirit, in my emotions is becoming less and less. 
Ideally, I'd like to believe that I've learned how to fight that particular battle a little bit better and I've gotten a little bit stronger. And that is a part of the understanding that every day is training day. The way that you wake up, what time you wake up, the way that you engage the day, the way that you look back over the, the day, the way that you engage people, all of that is part of God's training curriculum. Where you're placed, how you respond, the family that you're born into, all of that, God is using it. He's using it. Second nuance here of this word, fight, it means to contend with an adversary. You have an adversary. Some of you might believe that your spouse's mother might be your adversary after this Christmas break. She's not your adversary. All right? Huh? We wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and rulers and authorities in the high places. You have an adversary. We have an enemy. He don't like you. And he wants to destroy your life, your legacy, your future, your family. It's, it is his sole purpose in life. And so what Paul is referring to here when he says, I have fought this fight, he is acknowledging that there is opposition in our lives. We have someone who wants to oppose us from the destiny that God has for our lives. Following the Christmas story and tradition, we see that King Herod murdered all of the little children. Imagine that. Imagine here in this moment when the Savior is being brought to the earth. Simultaneous to that, the enemy never sleeps. And simultaneous to joy entering into the earth, we have, we have a land that is filled with pain and sorrow from all of these children that have been slaughtered and their parents are confused. So in the very midst of prophetic promise, we also have an enemy who stands to steal it and to oppose it. And Paul says, I am fighting that enemy and I have fought that enemy. Third nuance here, it means to struggle against difficulties, against dangers, against situations. So the first arena, we're fighting in something. The second arena, we're fighting against principalities, powers, rulers. We're fighting against an opposition. This third nuance, we're fighting through. Some of you this year, you have fought through some battles. You have fought through some discouragement. You have fought through some failures. You've fought through some mistakes. You have fought through a job change. You've fought through some sickness. It means to contend. It means to struggle with difficulties and with dangers. It means to exert energy and apply will and force and strength. It means I'm not going to take this report lying down. It means if you want to take me out, you're going to have to go through a fight. I said a fight. Anything worth having is worth fighting for. The fourth nuance here, it means to endeavor with a strenuous zeal. And this means that we're fighting for something. So we fight in, we fight against, we fight through, but we also fight for. It means to strive to obtain something. And I know that in our hyper-grace culture, we don't like the word strive. In our religious nuances, we've created a negative translation of the word strive. There's nothing negative about it. Now we can exert effort in our own 
willpower and our own religious willpower for our own benefit, or we can partner with and participate with the strength of the Holy Spirit and marry our efforts and marry our energy and marry our labor with his, and the Bible calls that striving. It's really interesting that you hear so many people say, don't strive, and strive is a word used in the Bible. I'll show you. Y'all don't believe me. Let me just pull out a couple of cross-references here for us. Uh, I'm going to look particularly here at a couple of things to fight for, and we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 9. I've got to move fast. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. This is Paul speaking here to the church of Corinth, and he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way. Run in such a manner as to get the prize. Don't just run this race of life and legacy and destiny. Don't just run this race to burn calories. I mean, I need to go do some of that. Run to win. Run with focus, with tenacity, with determination. Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. The word there, compete, is our word fight. Agonizomai. There is an agony. There is a dying to our soul, to our laziness, to our couch potato Christianity. There is a dying to that. Get up. Put some effort into it. Strive. Exert some energy. Go put some weights on your prayer life. Go put some weights on your worship life. If you don't, here's what will happen. When the opposition of external pressure is greater than your internal fortitude, you will buckle. And buckling for the Christian has eternal ramification and consequence. You buckling under pressure is the difference between your children walking in their destiny or your children buckling under pressure. Huh? It's the difference between a people who say, I know this week has been a week from hell. I know that all yeah, is coming out against me. But when I get with the people of God, I am going to exert effort. I'm going to strive to give him my best. I'm going to give my energy. I'm going to give my labor. I'm going to dance when I don't feel like dancing. Sometimes you have to do that. You don't always feel like dancing. You don't always feel like clapping your hands. You don't always feel like shouting and lifting your voices. This is why God built a mechanism into Christianity called praise that helps, is designed to push us through and enables us to tap into a momentum that is beyond ourselves. I'm going to dance when I don't feel like dancing. I'm going to shout. I'm going to sing hallelujah. I'm going to intercede for somebody when I need somebody to intercede for me. It's not just pep rally stuff. These are the ways of the kingdom. God has built it into the system to help us to bring you through to help you participate with victory. So we fight with purpose. Say, I fight with purpose. This year, many of you have fought. And the question is, did you just fight? Look at this verse right here. I love this. He says, therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I'm verse 26. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Call that shadow boxing. Huh? 
I'm not fighting shadows. I am fighting with purpose. My jabs are crisp. My cross has got my hip into them. You got to put your hip into it sometimes, eh? Huh? You fight with purpose. You train with purpose. Every movement matters. And listen, the way that you practice. Come on, walk with me. The way that you practice determines the way that you perform when the battle is fiercest. Got my little boy and my little girl in, in wrestling. And all they do for weeks, four weeks in a row, all they do is this right here. That's it. That's all they do. Over and over and over again. Ugh. So that when someone comes in there and they got their hands ready and they see that knee, boom, they just shoot it right there. Bam, they bring it in. Why? You just go over it. And if your technique is sloppy, if your hands are up here, I'm learning all kinds of stuff. Where your hands are at are important. How your posture is is important. Where your eyes are at is important. Everything matters. Your technique matters. Listen to me. When you come in here on a Sunday morning, your technique in worship matters. Sister, I'm just going to preach to you. It matters. It matters if you lift your hands or if you don't. It matters how you lift your hands. It matters. Because the way that you do it in this gymnasium will be the way that you do it when you get that report. And when you get that report, and you've been practicing like this. And turn it off. And, oh God, are you kidding me? Into a son or daughter? You ought to be explosive. You ought to be crazy. And then when you get that report, you just go, Poof, who turned an orphan into, come on, you just sing it out. Because you're a son and that was built deep inside of you through practice, through fighting with purpose. Second way we fight, look at this, we fight in his power, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, one of my favorite verses. Verse 28, we proclaim him. Colossians 1.28, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. This is my prayer. I pray for you. I pray for you, Antioch. I pray that you will be presented perfect in Christ, that you would mature, that you would be a healthy, strong, solid, mature family of believers. Look at verse 29. To this end I labor, struggling, NIV. New American Standard says, striving. Now, let's look at the whole verse again. To this end, I labor. Remember, we fight with purpose. I'm striving with all of whose energy? His energy. Which works where? In me. Whose energy is it? Where does it work? But he says that I'm striving. Who's exerting the energy? Who's exerting the energy? Where does it come from? Where does it work at? Ah, it's not just by the grace of God. If he wants it, then he'll do it. No, you got to strive. You got to participate with that. With whose energy? With his energy working in you. I always know when I'm outside of his energy and when I'm in my energy. And here's, here's why. My energy is limited. His energy is not. His 
energy is unlimited. Which means that when you feel like you can't go through anymore, you probably can't in your energy. But what you can do is you can learn how to strive with all of his energy working so powerfully, so powerfully inside of you. And it's in the striving process that he teaches you to expand. He's expanding your capacity. 2016, you're going to be able to go through some difficult things that you couldn't go through in 2015 because in 2015, he was expanding your capacity. He was enlarging your stress load. Got some buddies of mine at 38 years old, these young bucks. I can run them in the ground staying up at night. I can do it because I have twins. And I'd average an hour of sleep for months. I didn't want that. I didn't ask for it. I kind of did ask for it. Huh? But I was enlarging my capacity. Listen, you, go, you don't go into the weight room and throw a 10-pound weight on both sides and bench it like you Superman. And then like six months later, still going there with 10-pound weights on both sides. Hey, at some point, take the 10-pound off and put the 25-pound on, and you won't be pumping it so fast anymore. you got to increase your load. We are fighting in his power. Number three, we fight in prayer. Look at Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to go ahead and give you a prophetic warning. 2016, we're going to learn how to fight in corporate prayer in a new way. God is going to teach us how to get an attention, how to get an agreement, how to get an alignment. He's going to teach us how to pray in authority as a group, as a corporate army. 2016, I'm telling you it's coming, so I need you to go ahead and get your minds and your hearts ready for that. Colossians chapter 4, look at verse 12. Great verse. This is Paul speaking. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He is always, say it with me, Mike. He's wrestling. The word there in the NIV says he's laboring, or the New American Center says he's laboring earnestly. How is he doing this? In prayer. He's wrestling in prayer. And if you've never wrestled, it is hard work. Why is he wrestling that you may stand firm? Say stand firm. My staff and I, we get together, we pray for you every day. Every day, Antioch, you guys are covered. You can't, you can't rest on our prayers alone, though. Sorry. We're wrestling for you. We're wrestling for you. Here's, watch this. You have to understand this. Here's when it's important to build this habit of wrestling in prayer. There are times as a family... There are times this year where John Collicott, he didn't have anything left to wrestle in prayer with. Are you hearing me? So you know what? He needs somebody in this family to get in that yoke and wrestle in prayer with him. That's what it means to be a part of a family. There are times this year when the swindles didn't have an ounce of strength left in them to wrestle in prayer. They needed a family to come and wrestle, to get in the ring with them. Say, hey, go step, step aside, step aside. You know what? Don't pray. Don't worship. Don't intercede. Don't fight. Don't war. Don't contend. Sleep. I got this battle. 
family. Epaphras has been wrestling in prayer, wrestling, fighting, fighting. And here, listen, Antioch, at some point, someone else in this family or your immediate family or this city is going to need you to wrestle for them. I need you to wrestle for me. I need you to wrestle for my family. Times throughout this year when somebody would call me, one of the faithful men who would come up, who would go to men's prayer every Wednesday at 6 a.m., I'd get a text and somebody said, hey, we just want you to know, be encouraged. We were wrestling for you in prayer today. And whatever it was that I was going through, I could stand. I could be encouraged. We wrestle, we fight in prayer. Next word here. I only got through one-third of the message. (laughs) Fight, finish, keep. Second word here is a word called finish. Finish. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. And he says, I have finished the course. The word here is a word teleo. Teleo. It means to have an end. It means to bring to a close. It means to complete. It means to perform. I like this right here. It means to discharge a debt. Let me just pastor you here for a few seconds. As we enter 2015, as I look back over this year from January through December, Reading back through my journal, I identified a number of people's names that I put in my journal that I had to forgive. I'm not going to tell you who they are. Might be you. Which will happen in family. The word here, teleo, an interesting nuance of it is, I always knew it meant purposeful, I knew it meant end, I knew it meant destination, but I did not know it meant to discharge or to pay a debt, which makes complete sense because to truly forgive someone means that you cancel the debt and you rip up the note and the next time you see that person, you don't have your hand out expecting for them to pay you what they owe you because they don't owe you anything anymore and the reason they don't owe you is because you chose to cancel the debt this year before you exit this year Antioch Church. Ask the Holy Spirit, whose debt do I need to finish? Whose debt do I need to cancel? It might be a debt that you have against yourself. It might be a debt that you have against God. I'll let Jim explain that or Val explain that to you guys later. You know, you can hold God in debt for things that he's not responsible for. You can hold anybody in debt for things that they're not responsible for. The onus of responsibility is on you to search your heart and to accept responsibility and for you to cancel the debt of anybody you're putting in prison for the situation that you are in. And if you let him, God will use your greatest trial and your greatest tragedy and he'll build something so deep and rock solid inside of you that you'll never understand the full ramifications of until you get to heaven. But I'm here to tell you, if you continue to hold people in prison, it will steal your destiny and your ministry and your identity and your life and your joy, your vital. It'll steal it from you. And as a pastor, I can tell you there's plenty of opportunities for that to happen because I'm a good target and a good scapegoat for all the things that aren't great in this place. 
So I got to learn how to forgive because people are people. And so do you if you're going to be a part of Antioch because we're going to press into you to be a minister. We're going to press into you to be a son. We're going to press into you to walk in your calling, which means that you will give your heart and your life and people will betray you. And they will criticize you and they will slander you and they will accuse you and they'll misinterpret you. And it is painful. That's why Jesus said you must learn how to pray. Father, forgive them their trespasses. Are you with me this morning? Second nuance of this word, teleo. It means to bring something to a completion. And so I encourage you, I feel like this is part of the prophetic exhortation this morning. There are things that God has put in your lap at the beginning of this year. And some of you, even as I say that, even as I say that, God is bringing something to remembrance right now. There are things that were assignments for you and you abandoned them. You abandoned them. You got too busy. You got too distracted. You got too tired. You got too frustrated. You got too, whatever it was, but you laid some things down and the father is saying, go pick them back up. Pick them back up. Whatever that assignment was, you know what it is. I don't know what it is. God knows what it is. Ask him. But there's some things that you let down, you let go. You need to pick it back up and finish your assignment. Look at this verse right here, John chapter 17. John chapter 17, the context of this particular chapter is Jesus is praying what we call his high priestly prayer in the garden right before he's about to undergo the suffering of his crucifixion. And so he's having an intimate, quiet moment with God. And he says here, beginning at verse one, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the time has come, glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those that you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Verse four, I have brought you glory on earth by completing, teleo, the work that you gave me to do. God has given you a work, saints. He's given you a grand work, which has long-term consequence, and he's given you a short-term work. Some of those short-term assignments are weeks or they're days, they're months long, and some, your, your, your grander work is going to take your entire life, even your entire lineage. Regardless of the scope or the scale of the work, Jesus says when we complete it, we bring him glory. So I want to pray that God renew your faith and he renew your strength with a finishing grace and a finishing anointing. Church, you are a finisher. You are a finisher. You don't just start a paper. You don't just start an assignment. You don't just start a project and stop when it gets too tough. You are a finisher. Antioch is a finishing church. You are finishing people. Finish your assignment. There are some of you that are, have been in a season of grief. And 2016 is going to mark a time of finishing that season of grief. Now listen to me. I'm not saying that you won't ever grieve again. But I believe according to Old Testament custom and pattern, I believe that there are literal seasons where the purpose of that season, the assignment on that season from heaven is for us to grieve. 
There is a holy grief. It is a release of the emotions of pain and sorrow, disappointment, frustration, confusion. And, and the Lord will allow those things to come in waves because if it hit us all at the same time, it would absolutely destroy us. So he allows that to come in waves. That's why you see people who experience incredible loss or tragedy. There'll be days, there'll be good days and bad days and high moments and low moments and there'll be some days that are better than others. But there is a season of grief and then God will demarcate that season and that season will always be precious to you but you're not called to live in that season. I'm not talking about denial. I'm not talking about shortcoming the process. What I am, I am simply saying that in the economy of God as it relates to time, God will demarcate times and seasons for you and say, it's time to now come out of your grief. It's time, time now to take the grave clothes off. And don't you let anybody in this room tell you when that season is, you will know. The Holy Spirit will know. And if you need people to help you, it will come in a way that encourages you, not condemns you. All right, let's final point here. Say fight. Say finish. And say keep. Paul says, I have kept the faith. I've, I've labored for many months asking the Father what he has been doing in this house this year. I think he's been teaching us to fight in a new way. I think he's been teaching us to finish in a new way. And I think he has been and is teaching us to keep, to hold on to. Listen to these definitions. It means to attend to something carefully. So when I say you, when Paul says, I've kept my faith, it means that he's watched over that thing. Here's another nuance I love. It means to guard. To keep something precious means to guard it, to defend it, to fight over it. It means to observe as in keeping the commandments or keeping laws. It means to reserve or withhold as in keeping oneself pure or keeping oneself clean. So Paul here is saying that as it relates to my faith, I have fought for it. I've watched it. I've guarded it. I've defended it. I've treated it as precious. I've watched over my faith to make sure that my outlook and my disposition towards God was hopeful. You have to watch over your faith. I said you have to watch it. You have to pay attention to your faith levels. Your faith can go low. It can get dry. Your faith can become weak if you don't exercise it. Your faith can get empty. Paul says you have to watch over your faith. Let me close here with a couple of verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and just to let you in on a little window, these are some verses I've been praying over you. I've been praying that your faith will not, be, will not fail. I've been praying that your faith will be formed in the fire that your faith will be strengthened. These are the exact things that Paul prayed for for the Thessalonican church. A little background here in the church of Thessalonia, the church of Thessalonica. When Paul went in with his church planning team and established that church there that he's writing this letter to, there was extreme opposition that came and he actually didn't get to finish the job. He started the church plant and then he had to pull out because of persecution and opposition. So he always carried the church of Thessalonica in his heart, I wonder how they're doing. I knew that the persecution was intense. The fire was hot and I wasn't there to help fight with them. I had to fight from a distance. 
And so he was always carrying this church in his heart. Look at these verses very quickly here, just for a minute or two. Chapter three, verse one. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and to encourage you in your faith. To strengthen you in your faith. Our faith can get weak. To encourage you in your faith. That's why life group, that's why family, that's why community is so important. You isolate yourself, you're going to find yourself needing someone to help encourage you in your faith at some point in the journey. Verse 3. Where am I in verse 4? I'm in verse 3. So that no one would be unsettled by these trials for you know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. Why? I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. Some translations say in vain. Let me just wrap this up real here. Paul understood that in times of trial, in times of adversity, in times of suffering, in times of persecution, in times of affliction, in times of opposition, he understood something very, very important for all of us. He understood that our faith can get weak. He understood, he understood the reality of the battle. And I don't care who you are. You, you, can't, you cannot exert high levels of stress and duress without on some level experiencing some type of fatigue. We need each other. And this is what Paul said here. He says, I understand that when you're fighting and when you're keeping and when you're finishing and when you're working and when you're laboring and when you're striving and when you're, when you're living the overcoming life in a world that is trying to pull you down, he says, I understand that when the battle is the fiercest, the enemy, the tempter, has higher opportunities to tempt you and pull you from your faith. Some of you this morning, this year, may have trusted God for something, and this morning, your faith in God may have taken a blow. Is he really who he says he is? Will he really do what he says he can do? Does he really love me? Is he really for me? Is he really going to pull me through this? And it's in those moments that we're most susceptible it doesn't mean that we can't have critical analysis with God on deep matters. It just means that the enemy is always looking to sow an idea that causes us to question the goodness of God. And if that's you this morning, I want you to stand. I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and your faith has failed, if your faith has taken a blow, if your faith has been hit, if your faith has been discouraged or weakened in any manner, I want this church to rally around you. Listen, there's no shame in that. Thank you, thank you. Come on, if it's, come on, I, I know there's another 10 people in this room I can pray for this morning. Church, just rally around your friends, rally around your family, put your hand on them. We're gonna do what the Bible says. We're gonna do what Paul did. We're gonna do what Jesus did. Do you know that right now, at this very moment, Jesus is interceding for you because he ever lives to make intercession? And we're gonna pray. I'm gonna pray this prayer over you and we're gonna really get after it on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, we're going to get after some things. We're going to make some decrees. We're going, to, we're going to go for it. It's going to be awesome. I don't want any one of my friends. I see Stephanie back there. I see Thomas back there. 
don't want any of my friends standing alone right now. I see Deborah Riddle over here. Let somebody get around Deborah. Hallelujah. Now you guys just pray here for a minute or two. You just bless your friends. You just come around them. Strengthen them. You're going to make it. I said you're going to make it. Let us be a light at the end of your tunnel, at this tunnel. Don't give up in the middle of that tunnel, friend. You may have to crawl through this tunnel. You're going to make it. We're going to pull you. We're going to carry you. We're going to put you on our back. We're going to intercede with you. We're going to cry with you. We're going to fight with you. We're going to believe with you. We're going to grieve with you. We're going to celebrate with you. We're going to pray with you. Let your faith be encouraged, church. You have a destiny. I'm speaking to every single one of you, Antioch. You you have a teleological purpose. You have an end. You have a reason. You have something to fight for. In this house, you have someone to fight with. We're going to fight through this. I declare over you today that even as Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I declare that you are a fighter. You are not a quitter. You are an overcomer. You are not one who gets overcome. You are a champion. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a warrior. You're a defender. You're a protector. You're going to make it. You're going to break barriers. You're going to expand boundaries. You're going to push through limitations. You're going to fight this fight. I pray that where your fight has come out of you, that fight will come back inside of you. A resiliency, a tenacity, a hope, a strength, a grace. I pray for a holy righteousness, a righteous indignation. I pray for you today. Let your soul be encouraged. I declare over you, Antioch, that not only are you going to fight a good fight, I declare over you that you're a finisher. You're a finisher. You're not a quitter. You're a finisher. You're a completer. You're going to finish this season. You're going to finish this assignment. You're going to live and not die and declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. When you are old, yet you will praise Him yet more and more. I declare that your latter will be greater than your former. I speak over the end of your days that you'll be stronger in faith and stronger in devotion. That legacy is connected to you finishing. And I pray a finishing grace and a finishing strength on you. And I declare that you are a keeper. You are a watcher. You're a defender. You will keep this faith. You will keep this faith. Antioch, I say that you will keep this faith. I pray over you today that your faith will not fail, that your faith will be formed, that your faith will be strengthened, that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes through the fire, that it would be proven genuine. 
Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but Peter, I am praying for you. Antioch, Jesus is praying for you. I am praying for you. Your family is praying for you. This city needs you this year. This region needs you this year. Your family needs you this year. So we come around you. We surround you. Be strong. Be restored. Be put back together. Take your time. Let no condemnation fill your mind or fill your soul. Let no self-hatred attach itself to you. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're beloved. You're beautiful. Your future is bright. Let the sick parts of your soul be nursed to health by the great physician. Let barrenness spring forth with fruitfulness. Let disappointment be replaced with fulfillment and purpose. Let your perspectives become aligned with the vision of God. Father, we seal this year, like Christy said, in the blood of Jesus. We cover 2015 in the blood of our Passover lamb. We declare that nothing that is not of you is able to transgress that barrier from 2015 to 2016. We declare that your mercy follows us all the days of our life, that surely the boundary lines have fallen for us in pleasant places, that goodness and mercy chase us down. I speak to your future because he is in your future and in your future there is hope and life. Antioch, we bless you today. We love you. We hope to see as many of you as possible from eight to midnight on New Year's Eve. You stay as long as you need this morning. All of our friends and family and guests, thank you for joining us. You guys have a great rest of your afternoon. Let's keep this holy moment here. Let's just respect those who are receiving ministry. Joe's going to continue to play.